Welcome to the Old Testament book of Numbers, which is sometimes called the book of murmurings or the book of 40 years. Numbers advances God's redemption story while telling the sad tale of the generation of Hebrews who died in the wilderness having never reached the promised land. Poised to enter Canaan, the children of Israel fell into unbelief soon after they came out of Egypt. An 18th century hymn writer named Robert Briscoe summed up the children of Israel when he wrote these words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Does that describe your journey with God? It took about 40 hours to get Israel out of Egypt and about 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Some have called the book of Numbers the book of murmurings. Dr. Ron Jones takes us there next on this Tuesday edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, the book of Numbers is a cautionary tale for all of us. It chronicles the Israelites' roller coaster journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, a two-week trip that took 2,000 weeks to make. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Numbers, Wilderness Wonderings. Are we there yet? <laughs> How many times have you as a parent or grandparent heard your kids voice that complaint from the back seat of the car. Now, Catherine and I have two kids and they're in their you know, early 20s, uh, approaching their mid-20s. They don't like us to say that, they're mid-20s. It sounds so old. But we remember the time traveling across the country on family vacations in the car and hearing them say, are we there yet? Every parent, every grandparent has been there. And if you're prepared as a parent or grandparent, uh, you bring along games like car bingo or I spy. Uh, maybe you sing some songs or you tell some stories. And, and of course, if none of that works, mom pulls out, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the ultimate game, right? Kids, we're now going to play the quiet game. <laughs> and that lasts for about 10 miles. And then you start hearing, I'm thirsty. I, I'm hungry. I need to go potty. Or, or in the Jones uh, car, it's usually dad who says, I need a Starbucks. <laughs> And the kids have learned over the years that if, you know, you want to get dad to stop, hey, dad, do you need a Starbucks, you know, and, and we'll, we'll pull over. Uh, we've all been there, haven't we? But uh, what happens when God's people start grumbling about life's journey? Well, welcome to the book of Numbers found in the Old Testament, the fourth book in the Pentateuch. Uh, the book of Numbers, sometimes called the book of murmurings or the book of 40 years. Numbers advances God's redemptive story while telling the sad tale of the generation of Hebrews who died in the wilderness having never reached the promised land. They were poised to enter Canaan shortly after they came out of Egypt. They were right there, right on the edge of the promised land. God brought them there. But the children of Israel, according to the scripture, soon fell into unbelief. 
right after they came out of Egypt. An 18th century hymn writer named Robert Briscoe summed up the experience of the children of Israel and perhaps your experience and my experience as well when he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. In an honest moment, how many times have we said that about ourselves? Somebody once said that uh, it took about 40 hours to get the Israelites out of Egypt and 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And this is the, uh, the story of numbers. Uh, let me give you the big theological idea to kind of get our, our thoughts and our mind around. Uh, it goes like this, God's best and his most abundant life for us comes by faith, certainly not by unbelief. I could flip that around and say that unbelief always hinders us from experiencing the blessings of uh, the promised land. Now, the New Testament has a lot to say about the book of Numbers. There's a lot of reflection in the New Testament, and we'll go there on an excursion a little bit later. But uh, Hebrews chapter 3, for example, according to uh, the writer there, the generation that came out of Egypt and died in the wilderness, having never entered into the promised land, they did so because they hardened their hearts and they fell into unbelief. What are we to make of that? I think it's important for us when reading the Bible or when reading the book of Numbers uh, to remember that Canaan or the promised land, which is a real physical place on earth, the real land that God had promised Israel, uh, but it also pictures for us not heaven. It's not a picture of heaven. It's not a picture of what we gain when we receive eternal life. Rather, it's a picture of the abundant life that Jesus spoke of in uh, John chapter 15. It's a picture of the victorious Christian life. Those who died in the wilderness didn't lose their salvation. On the contrary, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized you know, unto Moses and all of that. Uh, they all came out of Egypt, a picture of coming out of your bondage of sin and into salvation. However, from that generation that came out of Egypt, there were only two only two that made it into the promised land, to the abundance of blessings that God had promised to them, that was Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses and Aaron died in the wilderness, tragically because of an act of unbelief. This is a good time to remember the words of Jesus who said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so as you read the book of Numbers, keep in mind that God desires to uh, give you a whole lot more than just eternal life. He wants to give you exceedingly more than you could ever possibly imagine. It's something Jesus referred to as the abundant life. We call it the victorious Christian life. Is it possible, here's a question Numbers answers for it, is it possible to possess eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and completely miss the abundant life? The answer is absolutely. Just ask the generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt, a picture of our salvation experience, freedom from the bondage of sin, but who died in the wilderness and never made it into the promised land. Conversely, is it possible for our unbelief to uh, thwart God's purposes or to uh, negate his promises in any way? Absolutely not. <laughs> Just ask Joshua and Caleb. 
and the next generation of Israelites who took full possession of uh, the promised land. Numbers reminds us that God's ways are always best, friends. But we acquire his richest blessings the same way we receive eternal life. And that's by faith. We receive eternal life by grace and through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? Here's the secret to the Christian life, the abundant life, the victorious Christian life, whatever you want to call it. It also comes by grace and through faith. Paul said to the Colossians, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive him? By grace and through faith. How do you walk in him and experience the abundant life, uh, those overflowing spiritual blessings that God is so ready to pour into your life and mine? Uh, that's by grace and through faith as well. Uh, so let's uh, dig a little bit deeper. And as we do, I want to give you a big picture of the book of Numbers. It is a large book. It is 36 chapters, but broken down rather easily in the chart that I gave you in your notes there uh, between kind of three groupings of people, starting with the old generation. The old generation uh, that came out of Egypt, uh, a census is taken there, a numbering. Uh, and then you go to the end of the book, uh, chapters 21 to 36, there's a the new generation is the focus. In between there, what I call the waning generation. This is the generation that came out of Egypt that wandered and waned until all of them but two uh, died in the wilderness. If you remember in our study of the book of Leviticus, we're at Sinai, and, and we stay there for the law and the instructions. But in numbers, we're on the move. <laughs> Uh, starting from Sinai to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and then all the years, the 38-plus years of wilderness wanderings, and then the new generation is back at Kadesh Barnea, they make it all the way to Moab, right to the edge of the Promised Land, where eventually uh, Joshua and Caleb take them in. Uh, the book of Numbers gets its name, as you might guess, from two census taken during the 40 years Israel spent in the wilderness. The first census numbered the generation that came out. And it's a rather tedious read from chapters 1 to chapter 4, a lot of numbering there, and uh, uh, most estimate that uh, there were anywhere from 2 to 3 million people who came out of Egypt. The second census numbered the next generation. These are the kids and the grandkids of the generation that came out of Egypt. Uh, this is the generation, of course, that eventually took possession of the promised land. Now, in one sense, the Lord was numbering the people for military purposes, because after he numbers them, he orders them, and he sets up a military formation there in the, uh, in the desert. But... Uh, uh, the other question arises, you know, why did God number the people? Why did he count them? Why the, the record of this tedious census? And uh, although it may sound a bit cliche, it is an important lesson to, to understand from the book of Numbers. God counts people because people count. It's just that simple. He, he is a meticulous record keeper. And all the accountants out there are saying amen, right? But no, he is a meticulous record keeper, and he cares enough to keep records of people. Every person among the two to three million Israelites mattered to him. And guess what? You matter to him as well. Don't go away. 
We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes, Volume 1 covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while Volume 2 takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2 can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to the ultimate road trip through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron, and we're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. 
Before God formed you in the womb, He knew you. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Here's Dr. Ron Jones with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Numbers, Wilderness Wanderings. Let's just pause and camp out on that thought for just a moment and uh, do a little survey through the scriptures on just what kind of a record keeper God is and how he cares for you and he cares for me. Consider the words of Jesus found in Luke chapter 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, he says, you are of more value than many sparrows. King David took comfort in knowing that God even kept a record of his sorrows. Listen to this from Psalm 56 and verse 18. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That God keeps a record of our sorrows and those nights when we toss and we turn and the tears that we shed. He even collects them in a bottle for remembrance. According to Psalm 139 and verse 16, get this, God keeps a record of our life starting before we are even born. David writes, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. The good shepherd knows every one of his sheep by name, according to John chapter 10. He also keeps a record of every word that comes out of our mouth. Listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew 12, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Wow, what a record keeping that will be. And finally, God keeps a record of those who possess eternal life. How many of you have heard of something called the book of life? It's a heavenly ledger. And we could go to many, many places in the New Testament where the book of life is mentioned. The question is, is your name written in the book of life? Are you numbered among the redeemed? If not, today is your day of salvation. Place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure your name is written in the book of life. Well, in addition to numbering the people, God ordered uh, their encampment into kind of a military formation in the Old Testament, and there in the wilderness. And it was a quadrangular formation. And in the ordering of people, he demonstrates that he's a God of order, not of chaos. You you, you can't miss that in the numbering, in the ordering. The Lord took two million people and divided them into 12 camps and 12 tribes, uh, including the Levites. And he put the tabernacle at the center of the formation. He put his presence at the center of their formation. And he instructed Moses to position three tribes to the north and three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east and the west. You got that quadrangular formation in your mind there? It's also a military formation because they were getting ready. They were right there at the edge of the promised land. They were getting ready to march into the promised land and take possession of all that God had promised them. All of the covenant blessings that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were right there. He was there for their taking. And this military formation, if you can picture it in your mind, was 12 miles square. No wonder Israel's uh, enemies were uh, growing a bit concerned about what they saw there in the desert floor. 
God also directed their movements at that time through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the way it worked was, well, when the pillar moved, the people moved, day or night. When the pillar stayed in the same place, the people were to stay in the same place. And what it is here is a picture of God blessing his people with his presence, the tabernacle in the middle of the formation, and blessing them with order and direction in their life. Uh, What more could they ask for in the middle of the desert there? And as I've been suggesting, God also positioned the children of Israel right there at the edge of the promised land. They had never been closer to seizing their destiny. Two years earlier, they had been in Egypt as slaves, but now they had every reason to count their blessings, every reason to trust God, every reason to reach forward to what lies ahead for them. But tragically, everything fell apart. After God numbered them and ordered them and instructed the children of Israel, the people started grumbling and complaining. An unholy complaint arose in their spirits against God and Moses. I call it the grumble in the jungle. And I get it from a a world heavyweight boxing match that takes us back to 1974. In fact, October 20th, 1974, a boxing match that was staged in uh, uh, Kinshasa, Zaire, between George Foreman. Remember this? He was the world heavyweight champion at the time. And it was this boxing match between George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. And somebody called it the rumble in the jungle. And it was an incredible boxing match. Well, about 3,500 years prior to that, you had the grumble in the jungle. And it began in a place called Tabera which means burning. Let's go in our Bibles to Numbers chapter 11 and find out why it was called burning. Numbers 11 and verse 1 says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Well, not only did the fire of the Lord uh, blaze in his own heart because of Israel's complaining, but he literally lit their camp on fire. He was that angry. And and how do you blame him? And there's nothing worse than uh, the nagging complaint of ungrateful people. Uh, Consider all that the Lord had done for them, getting them out of the bondage of of Egypt and uh, how how he had uh, guided them even up to this point and numbered them and gave them his presence and instructed them and uh, directed them, you know, through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. But they they grumbled, they complained, they murmured. Aren't we there yet? I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Uh, Moses prays for them. And every time Moses prays for the grumbling, you know, disobedient, unbelieving Israelites, just uh, remember the intercessory ministry of Jesus. It's a picture of that. 
Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Numbers, Wilderness, Wanderings. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Dr. Ron Jones' messages on demand or to contact us for prayer. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You know, it's one thing to fulfill the purpose for which God created you. It's another thing to reach your potential. Did the Israelites as a nation fulfill God's grand purpose and his promises, you know, move forward? Absolutely. Did this generation reach their potential? No. They fell way short of it and never experienced those blessings flowing with milk and honey. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Numbers, Wilderness, Wanderings. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.